0: Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, co-insurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com/sample-policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company, and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services LLC. Hi, guys. I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. We're the girls behind comments by celebs, and welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. Hi, am. I recognize we're kind of changing the schedule a little bit this week, but basically what happened was we didn't realize until relatively late that part two of the reunion was airing on Sunday instead of Thursday, so we kind of made a game time decision to switch the bonus show to Monday, and then the regular episode will come out tomorrow on Tuesday just because it seemed a little bit counterintuitive to wait you know, four or five days for that entire recap to come out on Thursday. So I know it's a little bit different, but it just seemed to be the thing that made the most sense, especially since there's no news that is so pressing that can't wait till tomorrow, right?
1: Absolutely. It's so throwing me off
0: to do this now though. (laughs) What did you think overall, like just general top level thoughts comparing part one to part two?
1: I thought they certainly could have given Chloe a little bit of a break. Right? it was just in pretty much an hour or like, let's say it was 45 minutes. The other sibling spoke a little bit, but let's say 40 minutes of just reliving pretty much all of the worst moments of Chloe's life. And she handled it so beautifully and it didn't seem at all like she was unhappy to be doing it. It seemed like she was glad to be like setting the record straight on certain things and speaking about certain things. But There was a point where I was just like, oh my God, please just like let this girl go to the bathroom or something and give her a break.
0: I know, and I think you're right in the sense where I never got the vibe that she was miserable doing it. I think honestly for all of them, and Kendall kind of touched on this, I do think they were happy to be able to broadcast some of these things in such a transparent way. That being said- the thing that struck me with Chloe wasn't even the actual minutes that she was talking. It was just the intensity of the subject matter. It wasn't just stuff about businesses and relatively superficial. It was Tristan and Jordan and her insecurities. And it was everything at once. Again, I don't know if that actually was filmed all at once because her tweets said that they filmed for what eight to 10 hours. And this was just the best. So I don't know how it was filmed versus how it was actually portrayed, but there were moments where you really felt like you wanted a commercial break for her sake.
1: Right. Exactly. I cannot believe that there is approximately seven to eight hours of footage that we're never going to see.
0: I would do anything.
1: I always have this question when I find out that information, like I would almost rather not know it because then I'm like, okay, well, what did they ask that never got aired? What are we never going to get questions to? What did they choose to put in and then not? And I'm like, now I have to know that information. It's driving me crazy to not have those answers.
0: Right. And also the thing that I always think is, in general production, whatever the show is, of course there's always going to be more hours than are used. However, think about how many housewife shows do part, three-part reunions. This totally could have been three parts if there was another hour that was worthy of television.
1: I would have watched an unlimited amount of hours of this and I think I'm not alone in that. I mean, obviously you're like, yeah, same, but I mean, like, I think everyone else who also watched part one and part two and were very excited about it would have watched two, three, four more parts of it.
0: I'm seeing a lot of mixed feedback online about the way people felt about this because I think some people felt a little bit let down and then other people felt like it really lived up to their standards. I don't know, for me, I had high standards and it did live up to it, not because we necessarily got so much information. I just will always appreciate a long form explanation as opposed to just like a sound bite said in an interview or an Instagram story that is deemed relatively cryptic. So I think for me, any long form answering they would have done probably would have satisfied me.
1: Absolutely. The way I felt was that I think personally, I was looking for a little bit more answers to things going on currently And it was very focused on discussing topics that were discussed on the show. Like, for example, if it was said in an episode, that kind of seems like during the reunion, that was fair game to talk about. Whereas when they got to the Courtney and Scott stuff, and we'll get into this in a little, I wanted I wanted Andy to kind of press more about what the current status there was in terms of Travis, how they met Amelia, how they met, what the situation there is. And it was very glazed over. And it, there was a part of me that felt like the reason he didn't delve into it is because the reunion acted more as a recap of the show and not their lives, which was very, very interesting to me.
0: Right. I had that same thought. One, was that the sole reason? Was it something that they were unwilling to go there about, especially with Scott's presence? Potentially, and this is maybe optimistic thinking, is it something that's going to be touched on more in the Hulu thing? I have no idea. But I mean- I cannot wait. You and I haven't even spoken about the Courtney and Scott thing yet. We haven't spoken about any of this. No, we haven't. I'm so excited to. Okay, so let's get into it. This is a long outline. Julie transcribed a lot of it. We're not gonna go as in depth as, you know, on all parts, but we'll just see where it takes us. You ready? I'm ready. So we kind of start out with the Caitlin segment as a continuation of last week and I will say this particular part, I think we got pretty much no new information. I don't even think it's worth really delving into.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There was nothing new.
0: So before we get to the Scott stuff, one of the questions that Andy asked Courtney is what her passion is, because obviously that was such a heavily discussed subject on the show. And you see, she kind of has this moment where she pauses for a second. She makes a comment to the effect of like, well, I think it's not selling product and that her passion really is her lifestyle and wanting to share that. And I don't know if this is in my head. I was saying last week how I felt like there's this underlying weird thing going on with Kim and Courtney. I just feel like Courtney would rather answer this question in front of anybody but Kim, <laughs> you know?
1: I know exactly what you mean and it's funny because it's not that I disagreed with you last week about feeling like there was tension between Kim and Courtney or that they just weren't vibing. I think that's been the case for a while especially because Kim and Chloe are so close now. I definitely felt like I noticed it far more this episode than last. And somebody actually like texted me and they were like, Emma's so right. And it's funny because when Courtney speaks, it's almost like there's this collective eye roll. And something funny that I find has happened with Courtney is because of the way TikTok kind of latched onto all of these Courtney quotes. And Courtney obviously knows about that and is kind of involved in TikTok and knows that like so many of her quotes are so iconic on there and make for such great audios. It's almost like she's doing this thing where she started speaking in sound bites, And so every time she speaks, or a lot of the time she spoke specifically during the reunion, I was like, are you speaking genuinely? Or are you trying to make an audio of yourself?
0: So interesting you say that. I actually very much picked up on that and hear you. And a great example is when she said the thing about, you know, I'm just living my life or living life, whatever that exact quote was. it It's some, I don't know if it's conscious or not, but it's somewhere in her brain space.
1: Yeah, it definitely is. It's I mean, listen, there were way more things this episode where that were kind of subtle, but you could tell that Kim and Chloe were just not on her wavelength specifically when they were talking about the kids.
0: Yeah. Well, I think just in general, they, they definitely have different parenting styles, which to me, as an outsider should be the least problematic thing in their relationship. Obviously who am I to say that? But, you know, that's how she parents her kids. You parent your kids differently, that's fine. I think that the height of the awkwardness for me is just always surrounding the work stuff because every time I say this, I always like actively feel bad for saying it because I don't want to downplay her stuff. But in my opinion, there just isn't a comparison between, you know, Poosh versus something like a Skims or a good American in terms of what it's providing people, I guess, you know, and I don't, I don't know if it's this justification or what exactly it is, but I just can't help but feel that Kim looks down on that.
1: Of course she does. Because I think the thing with Courtney, that was the issue was obviously Kim makes a point to say like, you know, a lot of the stuff I've said over the years is not really what I believe. I kind of just said it to say it in the moment. And when you bring it back up, for example, saying that Kylie Kendall and Courtney have no work ethic or have less of a work ethic, she's like, I don't stand by that anymore. And you saw Chris jump in and say, you have to take that back. I think the thing with Courtney is that I don't think it's that Kim doesn't think that she has, quote, a work ethic. I think that Kim wants to make it very clear you can have push. You can have these things that you care about. Don't ever compare them to the work that we do.
0: I think that's a really good way to put it in terms of Kim's stance. Although that's not something she can say outwardly, so she kind of skirts around it by saying, "You know, I had to come to this realization that you know I can't judge the work in the same way, or it's okay if she doesn't have that same passion," or kind of saying that without saying it.
1: Right. And this is something that isn't new in terms of the way they feel towards their siblings who they perceive not having that same work ethic or that same drive. In the very beginning of the seasons of Rob, towards the end to when he, you know, it wasn't so much that he was struggling. There was a period of time where he just had no drive. He didn't know what he wanted to do for work. He was throwing out all of these ideas and they were like, you have to pick something, you have to do something, you have to make something. And he was kind of, you know, in that really awkward in-between phase of like not really knowing what he wanted to do. And they were so hard on him, obviously. So this idea of work ethic and feeling like they have to prove themselves to everybody and wanting to make sure all of the siblings are pulling their own weight is absolutely nothing new to them.
0: No, not at all. I will say, though, that when Andy asked that question back about, you know, do you stand by the fact that Courtney, Kendall, and Kylie don't have the same work ethic as you – you see her response is like, wow, I said that about everyone. And you're right. That's when Chris chimes in. But I think in her mind, not that at this point she's going to say that anyway, because she knows it's not worth the fight. I think in her mind saying that about Kylie and Kendall, she would agree is not something she can do. Whereas I think if there were no cameras, if it didn't matter, she would still proudly say that about Courtney.
1: What she wanted to say was, I absolutely take that back about Kendall and Kylie. Right.
0: And she obviously couldn't. Right. I just think whether it's, whether she's in the right or in the wrong about it, it is not something that she lets go in the way that she was conveying she does. Oh, absolutely. It was awkward. I don't know. I felt awkward watching that part.
1: Yeah, I did too. Only because I feel like when you know Kim's true feelings and Courtney obviously knows Kim's true feelings, it was like, almost saying it to just appease in the moment. And we all knew that that's not what the case was. But also like when you feel a certain way, I feel like when you're watching a reality show or you're watching Keeping Up the Kardashians, whatever it is, When you feel a certain way about a character and then all of a sudden their siblings are validating the way you feel, you're like, well, I'm obviously right. Their own sibling is saying it. My feelings towards this person are obviously completely valid. And I think that that feeling in and of itself, the way the public felt about Courtney combined with the way her sisters felt kind of made it take on a life of its own.
0: It totally did. You're right. It's a very unique feeling. How how infrequently are you in that circumstance where you're getting that level of insight? Again, as we talk about so much, most of these famous people are not famous with the rest of their family, so you would never get the insight from their siblings. And also, I will say on the flip side of that, I think people could say the same thing for those who were more on Courtney's side than Kim because Courtney really validated this like Kim having this mean girl energy that a lot of people also felt as it applied to her siblings.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Listen, I think the thing with the family is that above all else, they protect each other. And it's one of those things where if Kim and Chloe were in the room while we were having this discussion, they would step in and be like, whoa, but we can say that about our sister. You can't say that. Like, they're very protective of each other. They're very loving. And that's why when we break down the way they feel about each other, specifically in the reunion episodes where they're like, oh, they're just not vibing. or they're... Yeah, there's obviously underlying issues, but I think overall the relationships that they have with each other kind of prevents any amount of that bullshit from coming in. So I think when Kim steps in and says like, yeah, no, I take that back. Like Courtney can do whatever she wants. I'm obviously happy for her. And I think she works hard. I don't think it's so much like saving face or trying to appease Chris or trying to look civil on TV. I think she does genuinely believe that for the sake of their sister relationship person to person or um, businesswoman to businesswoman. She obviously doesn't believe it, but the sister relationship comes first.
0: Yes. And that's not a hill that she's going to die on. Exactly. So Andy brings out Scott and there was a lot here. Like let's just brace ourselves because although he spoke minimally and although the actual segment of the two of them was short in comparison to the rest of the episode, I hung on to every word. Oh, me too you know, of course, Andy reflects back on Chloe initially disliking Scott. And it's funny because that was such a long time ago. We're talking, you know, what, 13 years. And she's like, yeah, I don't even remember if I had a good reason. And us having recently watched that season, it's like, what do you mean? You hated the way that he treated Courtney. You?" And they said it on here. You thought that he was a full-blown sociopath. She hit him and had to go to anger management. We really kind of delved into that momentarily, but it's funny how for her, I don't want to say she blocked it out, but it's just so far back in her mind.
1: I don't know if it's just me or if you picked up on this as well. First of all, I don't know if I'm just projecting here, but Scott did seem very off, like almost sad in a way. And I don't know if that's just me being like, okay, this is my view of Scott right now and I'm projecting that or if that was actually the case, but he also did this thing where. Every time he spoke about something, specifically with the Chloe thing, where Chloe was saying, like, I don't even remember where I liked him. And he was like, no, I wasn't a good guy then. Like, he kept constantly saying, like, I wasn't a good guy. I wasn't a good guy. I'm trying to be a good guy. And it almost seemed like he was explaining his behavior in a way that was very compulsory rather than how he wanted to explain it. Do you get
0: what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. And I just general kind of vibe from him. It was different. It was... The best way that I can put it is like he didn't have that same vibrancy. And I know, you know, you had said oftentimes in the past when he would speak about some of these more serious issues, he would do it in a way that was kind of lighthearted, which I can understand potentially bred frustration for some people because it's like, no, let's confront it and let's talk about it. But that was his style of kind of talking about it. So, on one hand, I appreciate the level of accountability that he was taking for most things and really being upfront about it. That being said, I can't help but feel that that is not synonymous with his personality. And so anytime somebody's acting in a way that seems to be so different than their personality, it is a little bit alarming.
1: Yeah, like it the best example of the way Scott used to kind of deal with things or answer questions was that quote that he said like I kind of realized that I'm perfect and it's everybody else. That's the problem. And obviously that's just one quote, but that was very much how Scott was. Like everything was and I mean this in a positive way, like everything was kind of a joke, nothing was too serious. And it almost seems like when he speaks or when he spoke during reunion, he was just saying what he thought people wanted to hear from him. Like, it was almost like he's so used to having to apologize constantly or own his mistakes or be really accountable. And I don't know if that comes from, you know, steps taken in sobriety or therapy or if it comes from his relationship with Courtney. But it did seem very different than what we typically see from him and not really in a positive way. Like typically with Scott, I'm like, okay, I love when you take accountability and I love when you own your shit. And I do. But in this setting, it just seemed like there was a lot more opportunity for him to be light and funny in the Scott we know. And he didn't do that at all.
0: Yeah. And I don't know. I very much am on your page and I just don't know as we're saying it if like, Well, how, not hypocritical, but how annoying is that to say? Because if all you're asking is of this guy to take accountability and to do it, then when he does it, all of a sudden now he's coming off as something is off. I just think that there, it wasn't so much about that as much it was his general affect. And honestly, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and assume that it was just rooted in a lot of sadness. I don't think at the end of season 20, if he was sitting down with the reunion that this is where he would want his life to be. I don't think this matched up with the vision that he had. And so the realization of that probably caused him a, a moment of, of sadness. And I felt like it was very felt. I don't know if other people are going to feel that way, but that's how I felt.
1: Oh, I'm sure. I think the whole idea of him not answering things in the way you're used to had far less to do with actually what he was saying and just far
0: more to do with the fact that he didn't seem like himself. He didn't. He really seemed sad. And I really think it's because he's sitting here thinking, wow, we're sitting here after 20 seasons. And I mean, we'll get into this in a moment, but especially when Andy asks a sobriety question and you know, he basically says, no, I think I would have had a shot with Courtney if I would have maintained my sobriety. I think that that's a realization that's very painful for him because it's just straight kind of like guilt and, and shame over it, unfortunately.
1: Absolutely, which is also... Just in terms of his sobriety, one of the bigger steps in terms of getting there is, you know, being able to accept those things. And for him to kind of, again, we're assuming a lot of things here, but for him to have to sit there and say like, yeah, I, I do think that the one thing I want most in the world I would have if I was sober is a very difficult thing to process in terms of maintaining
0: sobriety. Of course, for anyone. Yeah, when Andy asked the question about, you know, please ask Scott what's up with him dating much younger girls. And he says, everyone gets this wrong that I look for younger girls. I don't go out looking for young girls. They happen to be attracted to me because I look young. That's what I'm telling myself. Oh, like, no, I'm not here for it. I know that that's the joking part of Scott that we were missing, but not with this question, because by the way, it's not younger girls. It's 19 year olds. A 19 year old is not a 25 year old. And what was he supposed to say? I guess I, you know, but oh, I I hated all of this.
1: No, I did too. And I, I think the issue here is that he genuinely justifies it in his head that way. So to be able to answer that question honestly would require a lot more personal reflection than he was willing to do. Because again, like for him, it's probably like, oh, this just happens. And it's more like most people your age would not, or we would expect them to not show interest in girls this young. That's what you have to explain, not the fact that it they seek you out or that it just happens that way. And he really missed the point there.
0: He missed the mark. I mean, it, you're right. It was completely justifying it to himself as he was saying, because even at the end he said, you know, that's what I keep telling myself. But you're right. Okay, so let's use your logic for a second. These younger girls, quote, seek you out, but you entertain it. So where's that? Like it was a whole flip side of it. I don't know. We can move on from this, but if anybody else felt the same way about that question, just know we absolutely did as well. Yeah. Okay. So imagine these softest sheets you've ever felt. And now imagine them getting even softer with every wash. Told you guys about this company before, but I'm going to tell you again. And I'm honestly not going to stop telling you because they are the best sheets on the market In a recent customer survey, 96% said that brand sheets get softer with every wash, which I didn't take that survey, but if I did, I would have been in the 96% because I am telling you. It's like you've tried them at first and you can't believe that they could get softer and then they just continually do. A lot of things I like about this company, first of all, they're made with the rarest 100% Organicon and are completely free from toxins. Second of all, they're buttery soft, but also breathable. So they kind of work in any season. They have over 11,000 reviews, 30 night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Their signature sheets come in 13 versatile colors in all sizes. So from twin up to California King, I have them in the color stone. I have the color mineral. I have waffle blanket. Like I got a lot of things from this company and. Everything is just quality. I so badly need you to try them so that you can understand what I mean. I'm telling you, I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and everyone I know is hooked. Sleep better at night with the softest sheets from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your first order when you use promo code CBC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolan Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code is CBC. Exclusions apply, Seaside for details. I thought it was interesting when Andy was asking him if he's going to share his struggles with sobriety with the kids. And he kind of says, you know, he shared a little bit with Mason, not really, but yes, he wants to talk to them about it, explain to them how not anywhere near appealing this lifestyle is. But I think that just having this in context with the fact that on the most recent episodes, we've seen them specifically Scott and Kim Talk so much about what it's going to be like to tell the kids. So for Andy to kind of ask him that in real time and to hear that he's had some conversations with Mason and just to get an insight into his mindset, I I liked hearing.
1: Something I noticed is that Scott seems the most himself when he talks about the kids.
0: Yes, because it's the thing that he has to think the least about answering.
1: And I think it's like also a sense of of genuine joy to be able to talk about it, where it's like, even if he is in a really bad place right now, and I do think he's not in a great place if I'm being honest, the kid's aspect is definitely, definitely keeping him afloat and you can tell it when he speaks about them.
0: Right, and also makes him feel good about himself because one thing that he has not been accused of is being a bad dad recently. No. So when Andy asked the mic drop question, do you think you would have had a shot with Courtney if you maintained your sobriety? And he says, yes. And he asked Courtney, do you? And she says, yeah, probably. And in the moment where it's getting the most intense, Kylie has this awkward laugh of like, I'm sorry, this is just so deep.
1: <laughs> I was like so grateful and angry at the same time for Kylie in that moment.
0: I know. Because I wondered if she didn't do that, if they would have gone deeper. I mean, Chloe tweeted about it and she was like, Courtney was about to start crying, I think, before Kylie laughed.
1: It was intense because there was also and I don't know if this is actually how it was in the moment where this was this long awkward pause or if it was very good editing. But there was just like this intense moment where no one spoke. And that's why Kylie's laugh was kind of welcome because it broke up that tension. But it was like you were kind of sitting there and you were like, I don't know whether I am beyond interested to a point where I can't even explain it or if I'm so physically uncomfortable, I have to shut it off right now.
0: Yeah, I was definitely the former. I was leaning into the uncomfortability and I was like, let's go deeper. Andy asked them everything. So that's when he said, you know, people want to know, have you really not had sex in the last five years? And they really haven't. And Scott makes a comment, like, yeah, how annoying. And it's just those little moments of flirtation, or honestly, the best way that I can put it is like acknowledgments of a sexual past that for so long we didn't get with them. It was like, so deeply platonic that even acknowledging their past sexual endeavors seemed to be not in the cards. Do you know what I mean by that?
1: Yes. Because the other thing is for a while, Scott obviously really leaned into the friendship aspect of it, especially when he was with Sophia, because he really couldn't, you know, make any sort of commentary about wanting to be with Courtney or wanting to get back together or wanting to have a sexual relationship with her. So in this last season, he kind of owned that and let it out of the bag of like, I do want to get back together. I do think about her in that way. And it seems impossible for him to put it back in. Whereas Courtney can speak about it and say, no, we haven't. Whereas Scott Fizzley can't stop himself from being like, how annoying is that?
0: I know he had to get that in.
1: And I'm glad he did. Like it was a really, it was a moment of levity. It was a moment of, you know, that Scott that we were talking about. Again, he seemed just a little subdued in that moment to me. And I was just like, everything about this seems so upsetting. But I always have interest when Scott is making those comments. Because that's the other part about Scott's commentary is I think that's the moment when you get how he truly feels. Those moments of sarcasm or the comments he makes under his breath or... Anything along those lines. That's the real Scott. And that's why those moments of owning his shit and when he talks about like, oh, I wasn't a good guy. I think that is who he is. And I think he does truly believe it. But again, it feels more compulsatory as opposed to the Scott that we're used to that makes funny comments and that's how he shows his true self and his true personality
0: and his true feelings. Well, it's very similar to what we were just saying a minute ago with the younger girls. Comment. Obviously, we were not fans of his response, but at the end, when he said, "That's what I keep telling myself," again, it's not an excuse, but it just goes to show that he really is justifying it. So it's right. very similar to this. It's you're right. You, you have to pick up on those things and recognize that with him, they're not just throwaway comments. They're very indicative of his mental state. Absolutely, yes. So Andy asks, you know, you dealt with Scott's substance abuse issues and infidelity. Which was a bigger deal breaker? <laughs> By the way, Scott's probably sitting there like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And Courtney goes, I mean, the infidelity, I only knew about it at the end. So I think the substance abuse is the deal breaker. And, you know, they're just kind of having this back and forth. And Andy's asking him, do you think that drinking was leading you into bad behavior? And he says, I don't want to justify it at all. What I did was what I did. But yes, I wouldn't have made those decisions if I wasn't drinking. And it's just kind of this awkward yet also real rehashing of the previous years.
1: You know- This was the moment where I wanted Andy to say, because obviously what they're dealing with here with the sobriety and the infidelity was the past. It was the the initial breakup. That's what caused their relationship to to end. What I then wanted Andy to get into was we saw that you guys were kind of trying to get back together on the show and you were thinking about it and Scott was really leading that charge. What happened in that in-between time? What was the thing that you kept telling to Scott that he needs to work on and he wasn't doing it? And that's what I wanted to know. And that was the perfect time to ask that question. And I think that the way I feel about the reunion and being a little bit let down about part two has a lot to do with this section because it did not get into the details that I was expecting them to get into.
0: You know, I hear you and I obviously agree. I wanted more of the current stuff. Although I felt like we just got our answer. I felt like our speculation that it was sobriety was just confirmed without them actually saying it. See, I don't think so. That's how I felt. I don't know what everybody else thinks. I don't I I think Andy asking that could also carry itself into current day because I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you could assume, but
1: there's no I wanted a confirmation. I wanted to know here's what went down. And again, when they bring up the do the other person had the approval of the other partner, why was there no conversation about like, okay, what happened with you and Travis? How did you get to that point? Tell us about that. Like, why was that question not asked?
0: I know. I, I don't know. You're right. I think it could be because it wasn't so heavily focused in on the show and they were trying to keep it like pigeonholed to that. But when he asked Scott if he wants a monogamous relationship and he says yes, and they have this moment of reflection about Eunice because Andy basically says, you know, it seems like you get really upset when Courtney's linked to other guys. And Scott's like, me? No. And then he, under his breath, again, says, "'I just want to kill them.'" Again, another example of when his under the breath comment is actually the biggest takeaway. And when Andy responds, he says, "'Well, the last guy, let's just be honest here.'" And everybody kind of erupts. I guess the family, as we found out for multiple episodes, was not a fan of Eunice. He was very controlling. They didn't like the vibe that was going on with Courtney. All fine. But then they immediately shift into the Travis conversation and he says yes. But his yes was not a powerful yes because he can't fake it. His yes was like a yes, I think he's a good guy. I think he's a good father. I'm glad that she's with somebody who's a good human being. But also, holy fuck, I want to kill this guy because that's my spot.
1: You know, it's funny because he makes a comment like, you know, I think when you love someone, you genuinely want them to be happy. And it's almost like there's this mantra that he keeps repeating to himself. Like, I do love Courtney more than anything. And therefore, if I love her as much as I say I do or think I do, I want her to be happy. Like, it's almost like he has to keep repeating this to convince himself that it's true. But it just could not be farther from his own feelings. And he is somehow, you know, it's funny. You said to me, what was your biggest takeaway from the reunion? And I said, the media training is unmatched. Absolutely. And Scott has that in him where he's able to give answers in a way where he can see the outcome of what he's going to say and knows what the best response publicly and with Courtney is going to be.
0: And so that's the answer he gives. He doesn't believe that bullshit for one second. No, he's. But I think him telling himself he's trying to get himself to believe it. I I really think that mantra is a good word because I almost feel like that is him alone in his house saying the same thing. You know, Courtney posts a new picture with Travis, and he's sitting there like, okay. When you love someone, you just want them to be happy. You know, obviously that in conjunction with like the fuck this guy. But I think it's something that he has to constantly remind himself, even off camera.
1: Absolutely, a million percent.
0: I also know this is kind of going back a little bit, but. When we were talking a few months ago about how he wasn't at Easter and Travis was, and we didn't know why, whether it was really just for no reason or it was out of Courtney's decision not wanting them there together, Scott couldn't handle it. Whatever the reason was, this conversation, I think, shed a little bit more light on that because if I'm Scott and I'm feeling the way that I'm feeling, even if I'm genuinely happy or genuinely trying to be happy for Courtney, I don't need to then rub it in my face. Like I don't need to then inflict that type of hurt on myself by literally watching them kiss. Right. You know,
1: all the shit Scott did over the years, you would really expect that you wouldn't and the shit Scott still does dating 19 year olds or 20 year olds now. Like you would really expect that you wouldn't be team Scott, quote unquote, or care that he put himself in a position like this. But like, I just watch him and I root for him so deeply. And that doesn't mean like I root for him to get back together with Courtney. It's like, I root for him to finally live this life where he's just actually happy.
0: Of course, and not to use his own mantra, but when you care about someone, that's all you want. And it's true. I, I just don't know if his happiness is too intertwined with the idea of being with Courtney. And if it is, when that will be able to you know, untangle itself it seems to be to me a huge correlation. Yeah, i think so too. It's cuz it's all it's all a reflection t- if i i think in his mind of failure because again, he knows that it was his actions that stopped them from being together. And so, it's impossible to look at Courtney with another guy and not immediately think i fucked up. Whereas in some other situations, you don't have the other person telling you, yeah, i factually would have been with you if you didn't do X. He knows that. It's not even like he can tell himself a different version of the story. Right, exactly. Okay, so if you've been listening to the podcast for a while now, there are two things you probably know about me. The first is that I am a diehard OG Skims fan. Like there have literally been times where we've had to pause a recording because a certain product dropped that I needed to buy. And second of all, you know, historically, I kind of just never wear a bra. So what we're talking about here is kind of merging those two things because listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm never going to be a daily bra wear. It's just not in the cars for me. Never has been, never will be. However, there's recently been more events that I've kind of had a lot of weddings and just there Sometimes you got to wear a bra. And when I tell you, Skims is changing the game for me because that same comfort that I talk about with the underwear or the loungewear, they did that with the bras. And recently in the past month, I've worn the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra and the No Show Balconette bra. I had to wear that one to a wedding under a dress. And like, it was the first time in my life where number one, I wasn't miserable. And second of all, I didn't come home and just like immediately want to take it off, which I'm telling you is a foreign concept for me. They're just so comfortable. It's like, I really felt like I was wearing nothing. I'm I'm such a fan of everything that they make. So I guess it makes total sense that I love the bras, but like, I'm telling you, you will have the same experience. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. Plus, get free shipping on orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. Definitely do that. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop down menu that follows. So I see from the way that you organize this that you had the same mindset as me of like, we can briefly get into the Kendall stuff, but it's really the Chloe stuff that we want to focus on. Yes.
1: Absolutely. Yes. Yes.
0: I mean, they talk about the Kardashian curse, which they all kind of vehemently deny. And Kendall makes a comment, which I do agree with, that it almost absolves the men of any sort of blame. And then Kim makes a comment like, listen, Kanye is doing great. Kylie says the same thing about Travis. And Courtney asks Scott, you know, do you think there's any truth to this? Which he denies.
1: Yeah. And the part where she speaks about wanting to keep her relationship a secret and, you know, she kind of snaps back when Andy makes the comment about only dating NBA players. And she says, you know, if people had done their research, they would know that's not true. Because, you know, Harry Styles is sitting there being like, I'm obviously not an NBA player. (laughs) But Yeah, listen, I really enjoy Kendall. I actually wish she would speak a lot more. And based on this reunion, I think that she carries herself in a way that even she doesn't give herself enough credit about. And I think there are a lot more interesting things about Kendall than things we already knew.
0: Right, like her modeling thing can't be the most interesting thing about her. No, exactly. Okay, let's take a deep breath and get into the Chloe stuff, yes? I would love to. So Andy starts by asking, how do you guys think Chloe has changed since season one? And I'm gonna read verbatim what Chris said and I'll explain why in a second. But she says, I think Chloe has built over the years an incredible confidence. It sometimes comes and goes, but overall, I think the feeling is she's so beautiful and she's in such great shape and she has so many beautiful qualities inside and out at the end of the day, she just has to learn to believe in herself. I was so kind of thrown off by this response because the entire narrative that we have been receiving for the last few seasons is that Chloe really kind of lost her confidence. And obviously as a result of what the media has done to her and the way that the public has treated her, she's really lacked that. So I understand what Chris was saying, but the fact that she led with that when that's been the source of the storylines, kind of her not having it was interesting. And then second of all, Again, I really do believe that Chris was coming from such a good, kind place and her intentions were so pure, but the way that she said it made it out to be as like, she's beautiful and she's in great shape. And these are all things that co- should contribute to confidence. And it was actually kind of backwards to the, the true like thing that we're all trying to get behind. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. Something that I find Chris does, which I think is probably like a universal parent thing to an extent is like, while trying to make a really great, loving, supportive point, they kind of miss the point sometimes. And that's just how I felt Chris was doing here. Like, I think that in her mind, that was the perfect response and exactly what Chloe wanted to hear and exactly what she wanted to say. And like, when you kind of peel back the layers, you're like, okay, but here's what kind of was wrong with what you just said.
0: Right. And it's like, I'm the last one to pick that apart because you're right. The intentions were so pure and she's so kind and she loves Chloe so much. But it's like, literally what she says when you break it down is like, she lost a lot of weight and she's in great shape and she's quote, looked the best she's ever looked. So her confidence is on the rise. And it's like, oh God, (laughs) we can't be judging the confidence based off of that. Or we're really screwing ourselves in the process. All of us.
1: Right. Exactly. And I don't, I think if you broke it down in that way, And you said that back to Chris, she would be like, no, that's not what I'm saying. Like, like the intention was very obviously there. And I, I just think that when you, again, when you break it down and you were to repeat it back, it wouldn't be what she meant, but it is kind of essentially what she said.
0: Right. And it's not what she meant. And it's one question that she was asked over the course of eight to 10 hours. So like, I get it. Yes, exactly. Anyway, so Andy is then talking to her about Good American and saying, you know, after you launch such an inclusive clothing brand, do you regret being so hard on yourself for all those years? And she has a really interesting response where she's basically like, interestingly enough, I was confident and I was secure before the show. She was like, you know, I didn't feel a certain way about my body. It was the way that I was made to feel based on what I was hearing. And it's just kind of, I think, unique because if a normal person said that, that wasn't a reality star, that wasn't the Kardashians, you hear that and you feel for them, but you don't have an actual documentation of when the shift happened. So for us, we can actually go back and watch those seasons as we did and see the shifts start to take place. And it just becomes a lot more jarring when you see it in that way. Yeah, absolutely. She's talking about how, you know, it was Kim. Kim was the famous sister. Courtney and her were in the background. She was like, We loved it. And then Perez Hilton and all those blogs at the time, that's when I started to become hard on myself. She's like, because I had this moment of like, is this how people have perceived me my entire life?
1: It was really heartbreaking to hear her talk about that.
0: Really heartbreaking.
1: I think because, you know, for us, when we were introduced to Chloe, it was very soon after the show started that those things that were said about her started to be said. It was a very quick, like, here's the show. And then it was a brutal attack on Chloe. And so our memories of the way Chloe is, is kind of wrapped up in the knowledge of the way people treated her. So to hear her talk about it being a change in a way that I don't think any of us ever really considered was extremely jarring and was extremely sad to hear.
0: Yeah. And obviously now that we know this has been years of scrutiny and we all feel for her in a way, it's almost like, what is worse? Is it the constant pylon after all of these years? Or is it that first time when your entire perception of yourself and everything you thought to be true and was true was then ripped to shreds by just like the outward meanness? That's a pretty scary spot to be in. And that's why I almost understand what she means when there's a part of her that got like hardened to it.
1: Right, exactly. And what's also really sad about hearing her talk about this is something that you and I really speak about a lot is the way the media has changed. And Chloe kind of highlights this in the sense of like, yeah, it was those blogs. It was the press Hellens. It was the blogs of the time that don't really exist anymore. And that's what they would say about me. So for a lot of celebrities and a lot of people who fell under the scrutiny of those blogs and had to really deal with just the harsh bullying of what was put out and what was acceptable at the time when those blogs stopped existing it was almost like they were not freed of that but it was like they kind of got to bask in the glory, maybe, of it not being a thing anymore, seeing the way the media changed, seeing, you know, thank God they're nicer to the next generation. Thank God they don't do this to me anymore. And these blogs don't exist. But with Chloe, it was like she went from these awful blogs, then those stopped really being a thing, only to have to deal with just extreme social media bullying on every single level from people that are Supposed to be anti the things that Chloe had to deal with,
0: yeah. she absolutely can't catch a break. And she never got to she never got to receive that same that same grace that other people in that position once the blog stopped did. That's really what it was because also you have to remember that the the rise in social media at the same time as the decline in this really like nasty blogging. Also happened with the rise of the fame and thus the rise of the hatred of the Kardashians. So it was like kind of a superstorm. Right, exactly, yes. Andy asked her, did you feel like Kim and Courtney received preferential treatment because of the way that they looked? And without even thinking, she says 100%. You know, When she's talking about the photo shoots, how they would have racks and racks of clothing and she would have a few things and she was told it doesn't matter because she's gonna be in the back anyway. That fucks a person up. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're the most confident person. You have the best support system and family around you. That fucks you up. And it's just years and years of this. That's why when people say, why is she the way that she is now? Why the fuck do you think? Right,
1: exactly. And it's also an interesting point when you really... Like dive into that about the way Kim and Courtney obviously they didn't react or really say anything in that moment, but like what was in their realm of power because they were pretty powerless at that time. Kim and Clo and Courtney, and specifically Kim, aren't is not the Kim she is now. It's not like she'd be able to walk into a photo shoot and say, like give my sister more things or we're not doing this. She didn't have that power. So I'm sure it was like an overwhelming powerlessness of like the entire family in having to deal with that and maybe not even the full reflection of how truly awful that it was at the time and how truly awful it would still be to do that.
0: Right. Or let's just look at it from a different perspective. Maybe it wasn't even the powerlessness. Maybe it was complete like obliviousness in a way because they were so wrapped up in the opportunity that they even had. And that Chloe was definitely going to be the last one to even complain about. And if she's not saying it, you know, I don't know, maybe Kim was so focused on herself. I'm completely hypothesizing here that that wasn't something that she felt so powerless over because it wasn't even something that was so in her realm of it being a problem. Yeah, no,
1: definitely also a possibility. But I wonder if there is any guilt that exists today. And I'm sure there is about not stepping in and saying something.
0: Would have been a great question.
1: I, I think I should have done this. Not to take Eddie's job. He did an excellent job. I just have <laughs> I just want to do like a part three myself.
0: And four and five and six. Yeah, pretty much, yes. <laughs> So there are obviously so many different reasons that a person would want to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip, or maybe you just want to pick up a new skill or hobby, or maybe you're like me, and at one point you were almost fluent in Spanish, and then you kind of lost it and are trying to get it back. Whatever the reason, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone, which is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really immerses you in the language that you want to learn, which again, for me was Spanish. And I was kind of Relearning, I guess I could say, because I really do feel that when I was abroad there, I had it so much better. And my dad would always tell me, if you don't use it, you lose it. And I kind of lost it. So, first of all, number one about Rosetta Stone, they have been the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Second of all, it's fast language acquisition. So, they immerse you in many ways. It's no English translation. So, you're really learning to speak, listen, and think in that language, which for me, that's when I always could feel it clicking when I noticed myself really thinking in the language. It's an intuitive process, so you're picking up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences, and it really is designed for long-term retention. Also, speech recognition, so they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation, kind of like having a personal trainer for your accent. It's convenient, there are desktop and app options with audio companion and ability to download lessons offline, and it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life, that's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, comments by celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettasone.com comments. That's a 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettasone.com comments today. So, Andy asks, do you think your mom or your sisters take you more seriously since you lost weight? And Chris kind of chimes in, like, take her more seriously about what? And Andy says, I don't know. Do you feel that you view her differently or treat you differently? And Chloe says, you know, no, it's never my family, but I notice how everyone else does. This is when Andy asks, you know, do you think that you're promoting unattainable standards of beauty? I have a feeling I didn't even look, but I just think this question is not going to be well received.
1: No, I, I didn't see as much as I expected to thus far. Obviously, today's kind of the news day, so it'll be picked up more. And I'm sure as the day goes on, we'll see more. But no, I don't believe that the, the response to this is going to be received well.
0: Because Kim says, you know, no, I don't. I think we get up, we do the work, we work out. Kendall's like, we all really enjoy taking care of ourselves and being healthy. So I think if anything, the only thing we're really trying to represent is being the most healthy version of yourself.
1: So my issue with the way this question was answered wasn't even that they were kind of ignoring the whole, you know, we have the best access, we have trainers, all of those things that we've spoken about so many times. It was that when Andy said standards of beauty, their their only response had to do with weight. It didn't have to do with the fillers, the editing, the surgery, like And by the way, all of those things that they do are their prerogative. I would never tell anybody else, and I do believe this, I would never tell anybody else what they can and can't do with their bodies or their pictures, whatever. But by not being upfront about it and by not sharing those things, there is a standard and there is an unrealistic perpetuation of beauty standards that they are putting forward without maybe even consciously realizing it. Because if their only response to it is like, no, we work really hard and we work out. It's like, okay, but you're still perpetuating that like when you work out and you achieve the body that you're working out for, that that's the standard of beauty. It's just that you work for it. And that's not the case. And it's not fair for them to explain it in that way. And I still don't think that it's a concept that they fully grasp.
0: I genuinely think as much as we just spoke about how good their media training is. And in so many ways, they handle certain things masterfully. I think this is one area where they can't even necessarily fake it or respond in a way that the public is going to get on board with, because I genuinely think there's a fundamental lack of understanding there. And honestly, I think that maybe it's because they don't exist in a world in which like their body and their looks isn't the main focus. They, don't, they can't get away from that. So I think it's just kind of really deeply warped their perspectives. I think that if they saw like the complexity of the issue, that they would be able to not only respond in a different way, but actually think about it in a different way. And I I just don't think that they're there yet, honestly. I really truly believe that because I I so so feel you. It's like, I get you guys. It's your whatever you choose to do, whether it's working out, whether it's surgery, it's filters, it is your prerogative and you do you. But the 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 very fact that the responsibility is completely stripped from them. And I, as a huge Kardashian fan, I don't know how they can say that with a straight face.
1: Yeah, I don't either. I, I know exactly what you mean. And I I think that the fact that they're not there yet, it doesn't excuse them. Like, I don't think we're trying to shift blame or say, like, I just think that's genuinely the case here. And I think that if they took the time to actually... I think their first response is always to go on the defensive when somebody makes comments like that, like you're promoting unrealistic standards of beauty. And I think their first response is always to be like, this is so ridiculous, like get defensive about it, get explain the way they do things. If they took the time to understand what that actually meant, I think they would actually really be able to be on board because I do think that maybe specifically with Chloe and and not the others. But I do think that the conversations that are being had around it are things that they could really understand and get on board with if they took the time to learn it. But they're so busy defending themselves that they haven't taken the time to understand what people are trying to say, what their role in it is, how they play a role in a much larger thing that isn't just about them. It's about a larger societal issue. It's just they happen to have such an extreme amount of influence and they happen to play so much into that larger thing. And if they would take the time to understand that and
0: not be like, no, we don't, they could be part
1: of the solution.
0: Right. Exactly. And my thing with it, which I think was really present in this particular thing was like, so many of the questions that were asked here, so much of what is being discussed, the fact that they were even sitting down for a reunion for a 20-season show that has just catapulted them into a different level, it's all revolves around their influence. It all revolves around the fact that Kylie Jenner says, I don't like Snapchat anymore, and the Snapchat stock plummets. So if your entire career and also what you're so proud of, if you are so outwardly and admittedly and understandably, like very justifiably proud of the level of influence you have and the changes you are able to make, whether it's Kim and you're talking in the criminal justice system, or if you're talking whatever your realm is, all of a sudden then with one of the biggest issues, you don't get to act as if your influence doesn't exist there. And somehow it's like this mind that is turned. And I think that it comes from the defensiveness of like, we do work out hard. Yes. We've, you know, had surgeries that we're not going to admit, but we do are in the gym every single day, 5.00 AM. And we're working out two days a week. And I get it. They have the access, but also that is discipline, but it's like, that's such a one little small subset of this giant issue that I can't believe there isn't a greater sense of understanding for such smart women who, in my opinion, really are on the forefront of so many things. Yeah, absolutely. I so agree. I was shocked that Chloe admitted her nose job. I was absolutely fucking floored. You were shocked. I wasn't. I literally have gotten trained with them that they don't admit anything surgically. Kylie's sitting there. She thinks she's ever going to say anything about her boob job. No way.
1: The way I feel about certain things, like filler is one thing to not admit filler. It's like, okay, you can kind of get away with that. I can literally look at Chloe and see that her nose is different. How are you going to deny a nose job? Like, I don't need her to admit that because I have eyes.
0: But that's why – that is exactly why I think that the lack of admittance is frustrating for so many people because it's like – it's one thing if you felt it was a personal thing that you wanted to, you know, hide and nobody would have really known it's on an area of your body that isn't so visible. When it's so visible, I think people almost feel like, okay, at this point, this is just – you just – are questioning our intelligence. Right. I had so many follow-up questions that he obviously couldn't have asked, but like, okay, well, when exactly did this happen? Because like, when did we make the switch from the contour to the face tuning to then it all just being the actual nose job? Right. It was also Dr. Canodia who does like everyone.
1: Yeah, see, she named dropped surgeon.
0: Yeah, that was a big deal.
1: I think that I have a hard time with this conversation because the nose job to me is like the least of all of it.
0: It's not about that though. It's about the fact that these people walk you through every single day of their lives. Kim goes fucking plant-based and she's showing you the inside of her refrigerator to show you her fucking thing. So all of a sudden now, like, I think that what happened with them and whatever they choose to share or not share really is their right. It's just like you can't act as though it's such a ridiculous question for people to think that maybe you would have come out about what is considered a quote intimate detail when we know every other intimate detail. We have watched you guys wax each other's vaginas on the show. When you make any sort of change in any aspect of your life, we get to see it on your Instagram stories. So like, I don't know, a pretty large change to your face. It's not the craziest thing that maybe you would have spoken to your fans about it. That's the thing for me. You don't have to tell the public or not tell the public, but don't act like it's such a crazy thing that people would have expected you would have told it on your own without being prompted. You tell so much shit without being prompted. Right. I do think it's kind of validating when you know and they finally say it. Right. And if Kylie would ever – you think Kylie would ever talk about her procedures? Probably not, right? No. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, probably not because –
1: Yeah. I don't know. But Kylie's just always different to me. It's not like Kylie is one that you can say, like, we see everything because she pretty much hides as much as possible.
0: Yeah, that's true. Right. She also tweeted something after that was like, they removed the montage video package of all the constant criticism and torment I endured over the years. At Keeping Up at E should post that so people can be reminded of that treatment of me. They should post that. They should post that. I'm surprised that they took it out
1: yeah me too. i i I hope they release that as a clip, especially because she wants it released.
0: I feel like makeup in general and specifically a daily makeup routine is so personal and that we've all kind of gotten down to a science what works for us, what we need before we leave the house, like, where do we feel our most comfortable? And for me, on a daily basis, I wear really, really minimal makeup. I actually think I feel the most comfortable with the least amount of makeup. but, My two holy grail products, always have been, I think always will be, are mascara and lip gloss. Maybe a little highlight on the inner corner if I'm feeling crazy, but honestly, whether you are fresh face, full glam, wherever you fall, you have probably seen Thrive Cosmetics viral tubing mascara. It's the one in that turquoise tube that you see all over social media. So Thrive Cosmetics beauty products are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free. Made with clean, skin-loving ingredients, high-performance and trademark formulas, and uncompromising standards. They have a lot of great products, but the one I want to focus on is the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. First of all, it lasts all day without clumping, smudging, or flaking, which I'm telling you right now, I have a zero-tolerance policy for flaking with my mascara. Like, I'm just not trying to put you on my lashes if you're going to flake. And they have a flake-free tubing formula that dramatically lengthens and defines your lashes from root to tip. So it kind of looks like lash extensions without the damaging glue or salon prices. Also super easy removal, slides right off with warm water and a washcloth, no soap required. And it has nourishing ingredients that support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It's just like very much worth the hype. I had seen it a lot. And once I tried it, I was like, oh, okay, this is why I see it everywhere. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC that's thrive cosmetics c a u s e m e t i c s dot com slash cbc for twenty percent off your first order okay, a few more really intense Chloe things. The paternity conversation is brief, but Andy basically asks, you know, was this the hardest thing out of all of it? And she basically says, like, I've had this narrative since I was a baby. It was never a question of genetics. It's more so it really stings the fact that the public thinks I couldn't be their sibling. There's no way because of appearance, which is just another continual reminder on a much more deeper level, actually, of what she's already been told for all these years.
1: Right. This was an interesting one because this was kind of the only thing where she spoke about where she was saying, like this has actually been something that existed for me pre the show.
0: Right, right. And and then it just, it kind of, maybe it existed previously, but it really took on a life of its own with like a real meanness behind it.
1: Right. And Chris kind of jump in and they're like, no, when Chloe took 23 and me, it had more Armenian than any of us, like trying to prove like Rob is obviously her father, like the Armenian you know, genes are stronger for Chloe than they are for any of us. And Chloe basically was like, yes, but that's not at all the point. The point is that when people say it, it's not because – I couldn't be part of this family or they actually think I have a different dad. It's just, they genuinely view me as I couldn't possibly be related to you because of my looks. And that's what hurts. And they, and they kind of all were like, okay, we, under- we understand what you're saying.
0: Yeah. Kim and Chris are coming from such a good place, but they just can't really understand it. And I don't think any of them can understand what that has done to her psychologically. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. This was when she took on a whole other life because now, in addition to having to answer all of the very traumatic questions about herself, she's kind of Rob's spokesperson. Yes. I really think that we don't see it that much, but I think out of all of them, I would probably put Chloe and Rob definitely in like the top two closest sibling bonds.
1: Oh, absolutely. That was for a really long time, especially during the Lamar years, a relationship between Chloe and Rob was almost as essential to the show as the relationship between
0: Courtney and Chloe. It was. Oh, it absolutely was. And I think, you know, there's kind of like, no, I don't know if this is accurate, but I feel like with this family, what a more flattering thing, or what a more representation of the way that somebody feels about you and the level of trust they have in you to, allow you and have everybody on that couch know you are going to be their spokesperson. You are kind of going to be the person that is fairly and eloquently outlining exactly where you're at in your life right now. And she really, I think, did him justice.
1: Oh, absolutely. She she really always does. And I understand that Bond because obviously they're all very close with Rob and we've seen that over the years. It's just the protectiveness that Chloe has over him is extremely, extremely maternal. And therefore, I think Rob trusts Chloe more than any of them to be able to say, like, this is what's going on and this is who my brother is. And she does such a great job of doing that.
0: Yeah, and even when they're getting into the conversation about Black China and Dream, and I thought she honestly handled that in the best way she physically could.
1: Yeah, I think so too. What was she supposed to say? No, I mean, there's there's not a lot to say. There isn't.
0: And Andy kind of made a comment of like, you know, she's suing all of you and he's and she just stuck with it. You know, yes, this is the mother of our niece and Dream is one of the most special little girls in the world. And we very much understand China's role. And it was not a situation where they were going to get caught there. Like she was sticking with that script. Absolutely, yes. They get into Lamar. And, you know, they don't speak at all. And she was just voicing how she really does wish him the best, which I completely believe and do think that's how she feels. And when Andy asked the question, if you could go back in time, would you do anything differently? Would you still get married in such a short period of time? She says, yes. She's like, yes, it got dark and crazy, but I loved that period of my life. And I was so glad to hear her say that.
1: Yeah, I was too, especially because I think that we also really look back on that time very fondly.
0: We absolutely do. And that show was, I don't know, I feel like that show did a really good job of kind of encapsulating what the energy was like in their house. And while they did seem so connected, so you wouldn't have thought they only knew each other for such a short amount of time, there was that same like lighthearted, almost spontaneity that I guess comes from doing it all so quickly. I
1: truly loved Lamar. I I can't even, like, explain it in a way because it's different from Scott in the way that, like, when we were talking about Scott before, we were saying it's almost surprising how much we root for him. Like, based on all the shit he's done over the years, it literally takes me back sometimes to be like, wow, I really hope Scott is just, like, I just want him to win. And It's kind of similar, but different with Lamar in the sense of like, I, based on what Lamar put Chloe through, I don't want him to have a relationship with Chloe. I don't want them to be present in each other's lives. I don't think Chloe owes him anything in order to help him get to that point. But I weirdly only have positive things to say about Lamar when I look back on that period of Kardashians. Like, when I look back at Lamar, I choose to look at how much I loved Lamar and not all of the terrible things that he put Chloe through.
0: Well, yes, but also because, and correct me if I'm wrong, at the height of the issues, you know, dealing with, obviously when he almost died and stuff, that was not filmed. No, it wasn't. And she kept it a secret for a very long time. So
1: the memories we have of Lamar in terms of what we actually saw for ourselves, not from what she's told us or from what we've heard are pretty much entirely positive so it does make sense in our minds we have such a positive view of lamar and it feels weirdly universal that that's a thing because everyone i speak to about lamar is like oh lammy we miss lammy so much like it's very rare that somebody would be like lamar why would you ever bring him up
0: right and i I really do think that scott didn't get that advantage because his darkest of times were in the height of filming (laughs) you know exactly yes yeah And I thought Andy asked a good question of like, how does it feel for you that he's owning some of his mistreatment for you? And she says, you know, there was a lot of lack of closure. And so it feels really good. And I, I think that sometimes maybe something that happened was like, when you're a fan of this family, you start to feel this like sense of protection, specifically really over Chloe. And so when Lamar was coming out and saying that you feel like Yes, thank God, that's what you should be doing. And you forget, Chloe's also having that same feeling. Right, exactly. Yes. So then he moves on to Tristan and he says, Before you found out that he was cheating the first time, did you suspect? And she's saying, You know, no, not at all. It was two days before going into labor. She couldn't really process it. And when they were all reflecting on her in that delivery room, and Kim was saying, You know, I could have never done that, it's really true. The way that Chloe handled herself that day was, something that i don't think we ever would have thought we would witness
1: chloe is the only person in that family that or the only person maybe ever that could have done that in such a way and i kim's right like kim makes a comment about how like she was like i remember thinking you are just the bravest strongest person i know and for chloe to be able to in that moment say like, this is for my daughter. Like I have to do this for my daughter and kind of put everything else aside was something that I didn't even know was humanly possible.
0: I know. And then when Andy reads this tweet, I was so frustrated with the way that this tweet was worded. I'll explain in a second because the tweet says, Chloe, when Tristan first cheated on you, you said you didn't know what self-respecting human being would go back to that. Why did you? And if he did it once, how do you know it's not been done nor will be done again? And because the second part of that question was incorrect, since it has been done again, she responds, well, it was done again. It was done again, which allowed her to not have to answer the first question, which is, you said you didn't know what self-respecting human being would go back to that. Why did you? I don't say that in any sort of like a sadistic way. I don't want to watch her squirm. I just would have loved to hear what she said because she had such a firm stance on that. And understandably, it changed over time, but she almost didn't have to answer that question.
1: Imagine a question being so uncomfortable that you would rather answer the second part of it, which is clarifying that he did cheat again.
0: Well, exactly. She was like, "Let me get them on a logistics thing here." And she, Andy, then says, "You know, well, why did you take him back just for true?" And she explains that the first time it wasn't even so much for true as it was the circumstances of it all, because she was alone in Ohio. It was so overwhelming, you know, and just the isolation that she felt and. Andy then follows up. It seems that you guys are back together. And she's explaining that they weren't for all of season 20, but they just have really built this friendship and somehow it just happened. And she makes a point to say something to the effect of like, by the way, I'm not telling anyone else that this is what they should do. Because I think there's a part of her that isn't fully sold on it. Oh, definitely not. I mean, listen, the whole
1: thing about them not being back together season 20 was a discussion you and I had the entire time where you were like, There is physically no way. And I was saying she is being purposely ambiguous for a reason here. And I don't believe they are fully back together here.
0: But do you think that they weren't fully back together or that, and were sleeping together? That's what we spoke about a lot. Um, Yeah, I do think they were sleeping together. I, I, at some point towards the
1: end, they started sleeping together. That's what I think. I don't know. Again, there's so much ambiguity in the way that they answer things.
0: I know. And when Andy asks, do you trust him now? She says, "Like I trust him as a friend and all of those things, but I'm not someone who needs to find out everything that comes my way. And her whole thing is like, I just am trusting and focusing on day by day. I can't worry about everything else. And she says the same comment that people have said in the past. If he wasn't serious about it, why is he going through these absolute insane lengths? Then again, for someone with his history, who knows? But it just saddens me that and very understandably so, she can have a firm, confident yes to do you trust him now. And I think every person, not just every woman, every person in a relationship deserves that. And when that's stripped of you, it's really hard to gain back.
1: Oh, absolutely. And just think also, if she had said absolutely yes, the response to that would have been like, are you, you know, like it was almost like she had to give kind of a lesser answer. It's, this is what I said to you when we were talking about their media training. I was like, they don't actually truly answer questions. They answer it just enough in a way where you feel like you got a response, but they leave enough open to interpretation where where the backlash of what they say isn't as strong as it would be. And they answered it like completely no room for questions.
0: Oh, yeah. it's It's really actually unbelievable. I want to go back to watch that episode from seasons ago when they were in media training because they did an episode about that. Yeah. Yeah. When Chris kind of chimes in here and says, you know, no, he really did try. He came to us all individually. I so get it. Like, one, she's just repeating what actually happened. Two, she's wanting to support Chloe in making it known that the family is on board with this decision and all of that. I cannot help but feel, and I know we speak about this a lot, but this is a perfect example where I can't help but feel that there's a part of, chris that sees herself interested you know and like like a very twisted way with the whole cheating thing and that's why she will never react as strongly as one would potentially anticipate a protective mother would yeah exactly i so agree and i'm not saying that with any sort of negativity or judgment i think it's just an objective truth of the situation
1: yeah absolutely and you see obviously in a little bit when we get into the jordan stuff they also get very protective in terms of when there are kids involved
0: yeah, I mean, when Andy says another key player in your relationship with Tristan is your old friend Jordan Woods, what's the saddest with her today, would you say? And Chloe saying how she doesn't talk to her personally, but she thinks she's doing really well. And Andy asks the fan question about not giving the same pass to Jordan as she did to Tristan. And Chloe kind of comes back by saying, I'm really glad to hear this question because I think that that's a huge misconception. And she's saying, you know, some narratives aren't as fun to kind of pass along. And the idea that I am out to get her is, Probably more appealing. And she said, You know, I've tweeted, I've done Insta stories, I don't have any grudge against Jordan. I think people make mistakes. And she says, How could I forgive Tristan and not Jordan? That sounds asinine. And he then directly asked her, You forgive Jordan? And she says, I do forgive her, or else I would be a prisoner in my own life. And this is when Andy then asked Kylie the question of, Jordan was a huge part of your life for years and practically a part of the family. Did you guys have a chance to talk about everything that went down between her and Tristan? And Kylie says, You know, yes, Jordan and I did speak after that, but when we were friends, we never thought that we wouldn't be friends. So it happened overnight. And she says, When she did something to my family, I felt like she did something to me. They get into the whole back and forth about whether or not she apologized personally, whether she'll be invited back. And Chloe is saying, You know, I told Kylie that if she wants to have a relationship with her, I will not care. And I I believe her when she says that. I don't think she was saying this for the show, but this is when Kim kind of relatively aggressively jumps in and says, I'm going to keep it real. Tristan has a baby with Chloe. So Tristan will always be in our lives one way or another. If anyone else came in a situation, I wouldn't choose to want to spend all my extra time. I get it. Tristan's family. We have to keep it cool. There's a baby involved. If there's no babies involved, shit goes down. Then sorry. And she kind of does the motion of like clapping her hands. Oh my God. Do You want to talk about that or should I keep reading?
1: read a little bit more and then I want to talk about it.
0: Well, Chloe says that part is true. If there was no baby involved, it would be a different story. But also what Kylie and I have said multiple conversations about is that, you know, she spent so many years of her life with this person. And I've said to her a hundred times, I don't want Kylie to fast forward 10 years and then say, wow, I really regret not being friends with her. One like thing that was made was that Jordan allegedly never sent her the letter, but Kim then kind of understands what Chloe was saying. But it was like this real moment where, just to focus on the Kim thing for a second, I get what she was saying, but she completely removed the history that Kylie and Jordan had. If this was a random girl, of course, you know, Chloe's not going to make an effort to stay close to her or provide that grace to her siblings. But they had what was a similar relationship. I mean, Kylie and Jordan were in each other's lives for way longer than Chloe and Tristan were.
1: Yeah, see- That was my piece of it too, is that I always get so interested when this is directed consistently at Chloe, where it's like, I understand in terms of just logistics of if you forgive one person, you have to forgive the other. Like I understand when people say that. It just never makes sense to me because I don't think Chloe owes anything to Jordan. I think when people talk about this situation and they're so aggressive about it, the way they make it seem is as if Jordan was Chloe's friend. Jordan was Kylie's friend. Like uh I'm more interested in the Kylie aspect of it and I actually wish Kylie had spoken had spoken a little bit more and clarified some things or like said you know, this is about me and Jordan. It's not about Chloe and Jordan. The expectation that Chloe should have to allow Jordan back into their lives is absolutely ridiculous because it was never Chloe that brought Jordan into their lives in the first place. The question should be directed at Kylie. If Chloe forgives Tristan, then Kylie, do you want to forgive Jordan? And then it's on Kylie to say yes or no. And also direct that question at Jordan because, does Jordan want to forgive them for the way they acted after this? Maybe Jordan has issues obviously in terms of the way this all went down. So for it all to be on Chloe always feels so absurd to me and so misplaced.
0: I so agree. The the one about Jordan, obviously they couldn't ask it at the Reunion because she wasn't there, but that was my first question of like, wait a second. There's all this focus on would you allow her back? She seems to be doing really well. She's in like the best relationship ever. She's absolutely thriving. I think there's a part of her that actually thrived the most from that separation. So she maybe would not even welcome that. First of all, second of all, Kim's loyalty, which is so real, is sometimes a little bit misplaced because it. If I was Kylie, this is this is my perspective. If I was Kylie and I heard Kim say that, I would be like. Wait a second. Why are you diminishing the bond that the two of us shared? It was a huge loss. So, Kim's right, I guess as it applies to Chloe that Chloe doesn't need to have anything to do with Jordan. That being said, if Chloe wrote off Jordan in a way that was so, you know, uh, deeply rooted to the point where nobody could even look in her direction, that would in turn affect Kylie and Kim wasn't making that connection.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It is interesting the point you just made before about Like, if all of these people are so protective of Jordan, then to assume that she would just want to run back is so counterproductive to the point you're trying to make. Like, Jordan is living quite literally her best life right now. If you are so in favor of her doing so, why do you assume that she has to be groveling back to the Kardashians or that they should be to that? you know, as soon as they forgive her, she'll be, you know, back on their doorstep.
0: It's such ridiculous logic. It is such ridiculous logic. And actually, if I was her, I would find it a little bit insulting. Uh, completely. And and by the way, just to be clear, this in in this particular episode, I did not feel like they were perpetuating that. It was based on the questions that were asked that were fan questions. I get it. It wasn't like Kylie was saying, I'd really have to consider it. You know, I'd have to sit down and have it. No, no, nobody was saying that. They weren't. All Chloe was saying was that if Kylie wanted to have that relationship... And of course the unsaid thing there and Jordan did as well. That's something I would be fine with. Yes. Yeah. Holy shit. I mean, there was a lot. I just one, like one final thing about the Jordan thing. I think Kylie was so grateful that Chloe was there to kind of take the brunt of the questions because I still think it's so painful for her.
1: And we always said like, you know, Obviously the situation sucked, but the person we felt like really just truly so sad for was Kylie and all of this.
0: Yeah, they really had a bond. And even if it was good in a way to break that codependency, you don't just forget those years you spent with someone, especially when your child who that person was so integral throughout your pregnancy is growing up and now all of a sudden without them. Not that Stormy needs Jordan or Jordan needs Stormy, but that bond is something that was real.
1: Yeah, it, it was. And, and it did feel like the conversation downplayed that a little, not purposely. And it definitely was on Kim a little bit. And I don't, I think Kim was more protective than anything else, but it did. It It downplayed that. And that was a huge part of Kylie's life. It was a huge part of Kylie's story. So for that to just be gone, I understand when, when Chloe is trying to say like, we have had so many conversations about this. Like you can't just assume that this is something that we've just let go like this. Like this is something between me and Kylie and conversations that we have constantly because it was such a huge part of Kylie's life. And I felt like Chloe was kind of doing justice to that.
0: This is like such a weird thing to say because obviously everybody wishes that this never happened. But hypothetically speaking, if this had to happen again, again, I know we're in like a really warped space, just follow me. Even though on a certain level, it was probably so painful for Kylie that it was with Chloe because their bond is so deep and obviously she's so protective of her. There's a part of me that almost thinks she was grateful that it was like Chloe and not Kim or not Courtney or not somebody that would have handled it with less compassion than Chloe did. And by compassion, I mean compassion towards her. Do you understand?
1: I know exactly what
0: you mean. Yes. Holy shit, you guys. I don't know. I mean- We ended it there. Who knows if we'll ever get any of those extra parts. Who knows what's going to happen on Hulu. I want to just acknowledge that when they did the 818 shot, there's all these things swirling today about how Kim and Courtney shared the shot glass and Courtney only took like a sip and Kim kind of made a face. And obviously that's directly going into all these pregnancy rumors that are surfacing. We don't know anything. We just want to acknowledge we have definitely heard those and we see what everyone is saying.
1: Yeah, I didn't notice it actually in the moment, and then when I saw the replay of it, I was like, regardless of what is going on here, that was a little weird.
0: I there's a million things that I wonder. But then in the beginning, Courtney said something of like, "Let's take a shot." Well, she was clearly pretending at the end too, so I, maybe
1: it was a maybe it was a trying to hide things up sort of thing.
0: Who knows? We have no idea. We don't even really want to speculate on it out loud. I mean, <laughs> something things to do it in the group chat. I feel like it's not kosher to do that on a platform, but holy fuck, don't think that we're not thinking about it. Just yeah. let me just put it like that. We're not above it. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, anything else? Holy shit, this was so long. I would do a whole other one if I could. I know. We love you guys. We'll see you for the regular episode tomorrow. And then I don't know what the bonus show is going to be next week. I Let's see what happens. Let's see if there's let's say a lot of Kardashian news to talk about. Who knows when the Hulu thing is going to happen, if that's worth recapping me. We don't know. Maybe we'll go back to earlier seasons. We haven't figured it out yet. We're kind of just going with it and seeing where this week takes us and then deciding from there. But We love you guys so much. and We'll see you tomorrow. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.